tomorrow is Monday. And what I would like to do is a show of hands, people who are excited that tomorrow is Monday. We have one up high. He's retired. We had one halfway up. She was retired. And, and Curly, who's, who's just kind of wavy, also retired. I saw no working hands, go paid working hands. Not that retired people don't work. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, all, all the people still on shift work and everything else, they were like, what are you kidding me? All of them. So with that in mind, over the next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to be in a series about Mondays. Aren't you excited about that? Mondays? You're like, and, and you thought that would bring people. Yes, yes. It's called Redeeming Mondays. That's what I'm calling this one. It's kind of inspired by a series that I saw uh, by somebody out in Phoenix, Arizona called, uh, what was it, Made for Mondays. And I just kind of liked their theme. And so they, and they had posted it and said, please go use this. And so I'm going to please go use this. And uh, I like it. I just like the theme that they have. And we're going to look. Our context is very different from Phoenix, so don't expect that it's going to be anything like that one. But, well, I say that. I say that. That's not true the last couple of weeks. It has felt a lot like Phoenix over the last couple of weeks here in Central Texas. But anyway, uh, nice and hot. But it is very different. And while I, I say Monday, some of you are going to say, well, you know, my work week didn't stop at the weekend and it doesn't start on Monday and everything else. There's a reason I picked Mondays. One, in our culture, Monday is where most people start their work week. It's not everybody, not at all everybody, but that's where most people will start. And so, in our culture, uh, Mondays, that's kind of the day for some people of dread. And you may be one of those people like, oh no, I never dreaded Monday. I love it. I was getting back to work and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And, and you're excited for it. I get that. There are weird people in every society and and you could be one of them but for a lot of i'm kidding best like he's talking to me i wasn't talking to you don't worry about it i thought weird i was thinking of curly over here so you you just feel fine i wasn't really doing that either but a lot of people do start mondays and a lot of people do dread mondays so i thought i would share with you the typical american attitude as seen on the office about Mondays, and I think, I think that actually is pretty much a lot of people. They get ready to go to work, and they just absolutely dread it. Friday's coming, and what happens? This is why back in, I mentioned 78 and 83. In 78, did you buy a car, if you had any choice and had the knowledge, did you buy a car built on Monday? No. There were two days you never wanted to buy a car that was made in America built on. You didn't buy a car built on Monday because everybody was coming in dragging. Some of them hung over and everything else. And that car was sloppily made. They were dazed and confused and not making a good car on Monday. On Friday, they were so excited to get to the weekend, they got real careless and sloppy and distracted as well. So basically, you had three good days to buy a car in America, and it was 1978, and that one wasn't all that great either, if we're honest. So it just was a bad time to be buying a car. They call that the Malays era, because they just weren't great. There wasn't as much creativity involved, and that's why people who were adults from that time who had bought cars in the 50s and 60s felt so let down in the 70s, because they just felt like they'd lost the plot. A lot of people lose the plot on Monday, and, and that still goes on. It still happens all the time. They get tired and, and, and exhausted, and I like this one. May I have a Monday-sized cup of coffee to go? Now, for myself, 
that's pretty much 24-7-365. Not for the caffeine, but you know, I just kind of put an IV drip of coffee and I'd be a happy man. That's the way it works. But for some people, you relate. Monday mornings or whatever is your first day of the week. It could be Tuesday, it could be Sunday, whatever. This is you. I know because I have seen you. I have been trapped in line behind you, uh, as you as you work out all the 46 ingredients that go into your giant five-gallon bucket of coffee. And then for those from the 80s, you had Garfield. And he always hated Mondays. I don't know why. Is a cat's work week really that hard? I think the guy was a little bit of a wimp. But the, the guy who made this cartoon, young people too young for Garfield, I think, very much. But uh, he made a ton of money off of T-shirts, calendars, flip-a-day things, and coffee mugs all about hating Monday. The guy just absolutely made a fortune, became a millionaire off of people's hatred for Monday. And it wasn't just a theory. It wasn't just a cultural phenomenon. It's, it's a very real thing. So the University of Vermont did a study several years ago. I think it was around 2011. I would say all of this is probably more exaggerated now. They did their study, and one of their data points for the mood of the country on particular days of the week was to look at the mood on Twitter, social media. And they, they looked at Twitter, and, when, and this is the most simplified chart I could find because you can get it with years of data up until about two years ago. You can see all those little points. And Trissa, I should send you the link for that because it's fascinating. Uh, and you can click on you know, what, what news stories and what major events in the world were going on as well that also affected all these things. But they did notice this pattern. And it was consistent in the United States on Twitter. And that was that Sunday is that first dot. Sunday, pretty good day. Tuesday, still recovering from Monday. <laughs> you know, And the whole week just kind of builds up toward the weekend. And then Monday, it just absolutely does a 1929 stock market crash. Just absolutely terrible. And this is the mood as portrayed in social media about Mondays, but they were going deeper than just people saying, oh, you know, Mondays stink. They were actually looking at the tone of posts and what kind of, of actual, even if it wasn't related at all to work, to Mondays or anything like that, what was the general tone? It's kind of fascinating. When you look at the bigger picture of a year, high points were Mother's Day, Father's Day, and Christmas wins absolutely like multiple times over everything else. Christmas, highest day in the country on Twitter. And then uh, Father's Day and Mother's Day kind of do this back and forth between the two uh, for second and third. Really kind of fascinating. But this is where we live every single week, right? This little chart that basically shows you aren't alone. If this is the way you feel every Monday, so does everybody else. And we kind of talked about this indirectly without the class knowing that we were coming at this. I didn't tell them that you know, I was doing research on Wednesday night and they, they actually talked exactly about some of these things. Uh, when you look at Genesis chapter 2, and verse 15, God puts Adam and Eve in the garden. And when He puts them in the garden, He gives them something to do. Lori uh, commented on this and was right on what, we were, what we're talking about here. He puts them in the garden. Thank you, Jesse. Because I forgot to click. He puts them in the garden and what does he do? Here you are. Here is your resort. Here is where you're going to vacation for the rest of your days. They're not, they weren't planning on dying, and he wasn't planning on them dying. So here you are. And what do they do? Just sit around? 
play Parcheesi for eternity? That sounds like fun. There's got to be at least some of you. I don't even know what Parcheesi is. You're playing with your Velveeta. It's an old board game, uh, a really old board game. I think when I was playing it in the 70s, I was playing on a leftover one from the 50s, if that gives you any idea. That was what we did at the ranch house in Zephyr because there was no Internet invented yet except in Al Gore's mind, and there was no TV out there or anything like that. So at night, you played Parcheesi. Is that, is that eternity? Does that sound like fun to you? I mean, it's fun for a little while, but it kind of starts to sound like purgatory if you're talking 10,000 years, doesn't it? We're just going to sit around. Maybe we're going to sit around like in the, in the popular image and sit on harps. This is what we're talking about Wednesday night. You're just going to play, not sit on the harp. You play the harp sitting on the cloud. If you're watching too much Bugs Bunny, this is what heaven is going to be like. Aren't you glad that's wrong? For one, that's got to sound like a junior high recorder class. You know what I, yeah, I see you were in one. Whoever laughed, that was, you've been in that, in that class. Where everybody, that sort of a thing. My violin sounded exactly the same way in sixth grade. And that's what that would feel like for a long time. I mean, I guess you got time to learn it, but are you going to be able to take YouTube harp lessons? I don't know. You're going to have to do something. That wasn't what it was at all. Even then, before the fall, there was a purpose for you to be. We don't fully understand what all that entailed. Uh, we were talking about, you know, gardening would have been very different when the world was first created because before the fall, you had nothing. The entire ecosystem was different. And, you know, as they dig back through the layers, it actually is borne out in the records. You can see this. Uh, I really don't have time to go into all that, but it's really fascinating. Ask me later and I'll share you some links. But they can see this kind of thing. And the entire environment was different, so you didn't have a lot of the problems we have. They didn't have the problems. I've, I decided this year I was going to start, I told you all this before, that I was going to start trying to grow some things, and I wanted to do some, just some pots. It wasn't a garden, but just some pots, kind of an experiment, a few different ways to see what might work or not work. And I didn't realize that the book of Amos was going to play itself out in my backyard. And so drought, as I said last week, drought, grasshoppers, locusts. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure what little bit of water is in the swimming pool did turn to blood at some point, and all the squirrels lost their firstborn. I'm not sure what exactly. The squirrels did not lose their firstborn. You know what the squirrels did? The other day I go out there, and I'm looking at my basil, and I'm like, where did my basil go? And there's a squirrel. He has pulled up the basil and thrown it out of his way because I had just watered the basil and has dug down so he could sit in the cool water that I put there for the basil. And he's sitting there like this, like Chippendale in a cartoon from Bugs Bunny again. Here we go, oh, Disney, that's Disney. And he's just sitting there doing this sort of a thing. And when I open the back door, he's like, does he see me? I think he sees me. This is what I have in my yard this year. It was horrible. That's what happened after the fall. Before the fall, hot house tomatoes like you've never seen. It must have been awesome, right? Somehow or another... Uh, they gardened and they tended and they cared. And Genesis 2.15 actually words it that way. If you want to turn over there or click there real quick, this is what it says. Verse, uh, I'll find it, 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden. It's up there, isn't it? And put him in the Garden of Eden to work, and this is the ESV, to work and to keep it. And that's the ESV as well. The NIV, I like the way it words that second part, to work and to care for it, which is more accurate. He made mankind to be stewards of creation. 
And as they were stewards, they took care of all of that. And we don't have a clue what that meant. But it wasn't like trying to grow tomatoes in early in 2023. We do live in a dysfunctional creation at this point. It doesn't work as optimally as it was designed to do. It works, and it's awesome, and God provides through it in incredible ways. But this pales in comparison to what they had, which, by the way, is what will be restored at the resurrection. We will once again see what did God really intend and how cool Will that be? And it will be cool. It will not be 108 degrees. I promise you, because hell is described as 108 degrees. So heaven's got to be something better. New creation's got to be something better. So that's the first passage. We were actually made to work. It's not all punishment. The drudgery of work is part of our fallenness. So as Christians, we're called to live kingdom values with a kingdom vision. We're called to try and bring that new creation into the current world, not just wait for it to happen after the resurrection. We're supposed to be giving a people a glimpse of what it's like now. So we need to be people who don't get sucked into, and it's hard, but who don't get sucked into the Mondays are from the abyss, Mondays are horrible, Mondays are awful, and, and you know we're just going to try and work our way through the pain of a Monday and maybe it'll get better. We don't need to get sucked into that because that's part of the world's fallenness. The drudgery of work, the hardship of work is actually part of that. But work itself is supposed to be a redeeming value within the kingdom of God. It's one of those original things that God wanted us to take part in. Work that has a purpose, work that has redeeming value, work that actually participates in our being salt and light in the world. Now, I know I'm talking to a a broad, even in a room this small, we're talking to a pretty broad audience in a lot of different circumstances. Some of you work in trades, some of you work in offices and things like that. Some of you are retired and have been longer than some of these other people who even dream of working before they retire. Uh, it, we've got quite a mix. If you're retired, do not check out. Now, I got something for you, but it's at the end, kind of like retirement. It comes at the end. So, so, so stay with me, because if you think as a retired person, talk about work has nothing to do with you, I'm going to show you why that's really not quite true. This has everything to do with you as well. You have a kingdom mission in the work world as a retired person. I'm going to come back to that. There's your hint. Okay? God created us for this. and he, So we need to do this in a way that reflects that God-given gift that is the work that you do. And you don't have to be... Uh, missionary, minister, or anything like that in order to have redemption value to the work that you do. God uses people in every, I'm going to say every legitimate walk of life. There are some jobs which are not only illegal but immoral. And uh, sorry, you're going to need to change the job if you want to be redeeming. But most people are working in places where there is absolutely redeeming value for you to be there if for no uh, no other reason that you are salt and light to the people that you work with. Even if you're in a job you don't even like, there is redeeming value 
when you submit that job and you submit that work and that vocation to the Lord. Okay? So you can be that wherever you are. That's one thing. It's, another thing is it's part of our being made in God's image. What did God do when He sets out to give birth, so to speak, to mankind and to you? He went to work. He starts with, let there be light. And there was light. And it was good. He doesn't stop there. He then goes on and He creates everything we see. Some we don't. And it was all good. He gets to mankind. He breathes life into Adam. Then He forms Eve from Adam's rib. And He does all of this because Adam and Eve are very, very special in His creation. About nothing else did He say, let us now go and make mankind in our image. We're, the, we're it. Okay? We're it. That's how special you are. Nothing else He created did He take what He created and Himself breathe the breath of life into. Humanity is it. Does that not tell you how special you are? And part of that being made in His image is that what you do with your life, it really does matter. And it really does have an impact. And it really can be used by and for God. One of the things that that jumped out at me in thinking about man being made in God's image was this passage from John chapter 5. And I usually think about it in terms of, you know, you look at Jesus and you're seeing in Jesus the nature of God. That was the point of what he was saying. And what he was saying is, I am divine and I am of the same kind of being as God. But for today, I want to look at it and kind of catch something else that's there that's really important to what he says. So look at John 5. It's not going to be up there, but John 5:17 and 18. So he's getting interrogated by uh, some of the religious leaders. They're interrogating him over a healing that was done at the pool of Siloam. And so then they, after they, they started griping with him, here's what happens. He says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to... Oh, I jumped a verse. But Jesus, verse 17, but Jesus answered them, my father is working until now and I am working. And this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So he'd broken a couple of rules. He'd said, I'm equal with God, only it's not a breaking of the rule when it's true. And of Jesus, it is true. He is the Son of God. He'd broken another rule. It was Sabbath, and he wasn't supposed to be doing work. Now, here's the interesting thing. In order to accuse him of doing work on the Sabbath, what do you have to admit he's just done? A work. I find this so incredibly crazy about the Pharisees and Sadducees who would come up to him all the time. And that is that they would argue with him over whether or not it was the right time to be doing the work. They would never realize in arguing with him, I am admitting that he does what only God can do. I'm just saying he did it on the wrong day. But they never argue with him, did you commit this miracle? They can't argue. It's right there in their face. Over and over again, They are making his argument for him. In order for him to have done it wrong, he has to have done it. And I just think that's hilarious. Anyway, that's bonus. 
But I think that's hilarious. In this passage, we jump to the part about the day and we jump to the part about the nature of God and we kind of miss what He said first. So look back at it again. Jesus answered them, My Father is working. God is a working God. If anybody is late enough in his career to say that he can retire and quit, who would it be? God. God is working. Are you glad that he hasn't quit? That he doesn't say, well, I already raised all those people, so I'm not going to do that this time. That's what humans say all the time, isn't it? Well, I already put in my time, so I'm not going to teach a class. I already put in my time, so I'm already done making a meal. I've already put in my time, so I'm not going to... Understand that comes from your fallen humanity, not from the Spirit of God, because the Spirit of God don't quit. There's a difference there, isn't there? My father is working until now. And if you wanted to get into Greek verb tenses, that is, is working and will never cease to be working. It's ongoing with all the future ahead. God's a busy God. And then Jesus, well, maybe Jesus took time off. What does he say? And I am too working with continual ongoing work being done. And I am too. And then God says to us, be holy as I am holy. He doesn't say it right there. If you're looking at the verse, that's not where he said it. He says it later on. Be holy as I am holy, which we think means extra air in your chest. Get your, get your head up. and Oh, I just love the Lord and I'm holy. And we think that's what that means. And that's not what it means. I'm going to wear a vest and a tie next week. I'm holy. No. What does it mean to be like God? Holy, when something was talked about as being holy in the Old Testament, most of those contexts are holy to be used in service for a purpose. Not holy like just, oh, it's so good, Lord, I'm blessed. No, that just makes you weird. Holy is, God, here I am, send me a tool in your hand, a vessel in your temple, something and someone you use to accomplish your mission in this world. Holy is volunteering to be used by God for something higher than your hobbies and more important than your just superficial take on your job. Now, your hobbies and your jobs can be used for holy purposes, but only if they're used... For holy purposes. Okay? That's not the problem. The problem is, why am I doing it? To be like Jesus. Can you go and do your job that you have right now with the purpose tomorrow morning of, I'm going to go do it, but I'm not going to do it for me and I'm not going to do it for my boss. I'm going to do it because I want to please Jesus there. I want to influence people there. I want to get things done that need to be done by kingdom people. There. Part of your job is taking care of people. Maybe you're a nurse or hospice or things like that. Your job is a holy job when done with a holy purpose. God intentionally put you there 
so that there would be God-fearing people doing that job because people who need that service need God-fearing people doing that job. Teachers, same thing. Firefighters, same thing. You just go down the list. You work at Home Depot and have a godly influence. There'd be something wrong with a Christian who worked there and couldn't figure out how to do that in some way or another. It's who we were created to be. God's workers for God's kingdom in all these different places. Turn over to Colossians 3. I kind of referred to this earlier, but I want to read a couple of verses here. First in verse 17, this we probably all have memorized. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. That everything we do is holy. Everything we do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So whether you work in the home, whether you work at an office, whether you work in the oil field, whether you work out in a field, field, whatever you do, find a way to honor God in how you do it. In some things, it will be the excellence with which you do your job. And that can get people's attention. You might not think so, but I know people who have borne witness to this. Why do you care so much about doing that? You could have just done that more easily. Yes, but I know that I'm doing this in a way that it honors God. And I want to give my best. doesn't matter even what you're doing. You could be working a CNC machine. But you want to make that right, that product right, for the customer because the customer was also made in the image of God. And you want to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And if I want my part made well, I'm going to make their part well. Excellence. Attitude. Maybe even going in, just the, the thing of the attitude of, I'm not going to go in and be one more downer every Monday. I'm going to go in on Mondays. You don't have to go in there and be like, Hi, this is the day the Lord has made. Ain't it wonderful? You don't have to be... Christian Gomer Pyle. You can just go in there and be kind, considerate, and helpful above and beyond. I think Jesus called that the extra mile in the name of Jesus for people to try and make it a better environment. Not let it just stink like everybody else might be determined because Monday stink, we're just going to let it stink. Don't do it. Go down to verses 23 and 24. Whatever you do, He's still talking to, to us, but here he's talking to bond servants, slaves, we would say. You might say, well, that's not my context. No, but you know what? There's a lot of crossover. Your circumstance is better, so you actually have more reason to like it. Okay, that's one of your ups, one of your more positive things. But a lot of, uh, there's a lot of crossover. So he says to them, uh, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. You may want to go to work tomorrow and say, well, they want me to do all this excellent work, but I don't think my boss deserves that. Which boss are you talking about? Talk to the one above him or her. Jesus, do your job knowing that the CEO that matters is Jesus. And you will do a better job every time and have a different attitude. Work heartily is for the Lord and not for men. It's not about what people deserve. It's about what God deserves and what God has called you to do for those people. 
do better than they deserve, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back, so you don't have to worry about that. But for you, don't be the wrongdoer. Do well. Work in a way that honors God and shows excellence. And then when somebody says, why do you even care about that detail? You say, well, I think my job is a, is a, is a ministry. And that means I want to do it for Jesus and I want, it, I want it to be right. I want it to be good. I want it to be quality. I want it to be helpful. He said, be ready to give an answer for what you believe. You ought to believe that your work matters. You ought to believe, be able to believe that what you do can be used by God no matter what. It actually is. So, it's one of... Oh, let me stop that for a second because it's going to go and play something. You're going to need volume here, Jesse, for just a second. Pump it up to movie theater volume because I think it's a little quiet. Uh, before we get into this video, I want to show you a really short little video. This last part here about salt and light. I believe your job is one of the ways that God takes the salt shaker of the kingdom and puts you in places that you might not have thought of as ministry. But they are. Believe that, that your job and, and whatever it is that you do is one of those places where light is meant to break out into the darkness of a Monday. Think about it this way. Mondays for a Christian are in a time where you will stand out even more if you are salt and light than you otherwise would have. This is your opportunity to be different in a way that honors God. So let's watch this right quick. It sums up well. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. I mentioned that, that I had something for the retired folks as well. And here's what I've got for you. Because you may be thinking, well, it's still, I don't, I, don't, I don't go into any of those things. What am I supposed to do? Well, you can live your life saying I'm done and now it's all me time. But how do you think that fits into what we just saw? How do you think that fits into the Scriptures that we just read? And a lot of you have already figured this out. and You already know that, that there are ways in which you can serve. I want you to look at your retirement differently. You are now free agents in the kingdom of God. You don't have to show up at certain places. And don't you thank God for that, that He blessed you with that. But what do you get to do? Here am I, send me. You get to volunteer. You get to mentor. And one of those ways would be you get to teach younger men and women, brothers and sisters in Christ, kids coming up. And you get an opportunity to bless them with Here's what I learned working in the kingdom of God. Here's what I did that I think God blessed. Here are the things where, listen, don't do this. I wasted many years this way. Don't copy me. You have a chance to be a mentor to people. You have a chance to be an encourager to people. You have a chance to show them that life doesn't end when the job quits. But instead, life just gets even richer to the glory of God. You have that opportunity. And I would encourage you to seize it. Those of you who are looking forward to that, I would encourage you to plan for that. That one day, 
you will get to be a free agent for God. But do not wait. I know too many people who wait. I'm going to serve God when I retire. And then they die. And it didn't happen. Don't. Don't waste that time. God has given you where you are right now, whichever case it is. Let the Lord use it. Honor the Lord with your hands. The Shakers used to have a saying called, Hearts to God and hands to work. Both of those were they considered an honor to the Lord Jesus Christ with what they did.